everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast. Today, we'll be discussing two new episodes of uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds by new. I mean, they're definitely three to four weeks old. That's okay. We're a little <laughs> bit behind. It's my fault. Uh, the first episode is seasoned to episode seven, Those Old Scientists, and episode eight, Ooh. Under the Cloak of War. Um, and I'm sorry that I slipped into preschool teacher mode, but shall we get into circle <laughs> time and go around and go over the months of the year yeah. again? January, I thought you were February, more Julia Child. <laughs> I could be, yeah, I could see more Julia Child. But I mean, when I taught preschool, it was also very, very Julia Child. With me, as you've just heard, is <laughs> Carrie coleman Henners. Well, let's take a little bit of butter <laughs> and put it in the risotto. You know, the, the risotto needs a lot of butter uh, if it's going to result. Do you know what I mean? Wow, uh, and that is a good impression. Oh my God. Thank you. Well, Miss, I will say that uh, Julia Child and Miss Piggy and Julie Andrews all live in the same realm a little bit. I see. I have a little access to all three. Um, and we've also got Michael Henley. We bake at 400. I can't. This is terrible. No, you, sorry, you can. Julie. You bailed I'm on sorry. it. No, don't you no, bail on it. Was so it was close. so bad. Don't bail. Oh. Don't bail. No, we bake I, at I'm... 450 degrees for two hours, not Ooh. three. Yeah, that's good, Michael. That's yeah, good. It's better than most. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's best if you have it with a, a cold martini, what really goes a long Ooh. way to cutting the taste of the butter. Uh, um, this is why you I know, also like Julia Child because she, we have similar taste palettes. <clears throat> um, you know, you mentioned Miss Piggy, but you know what? Um, I, I apologize, Julia. Uh, but uh, I feel like there's a little bit of actually like a, somehow a female Kermit in there as well. Yeah, yeah. no, you're you're Is absolutely here? right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's Muppet general Muppet generality of like the the weird voice spaces you have to get into but it is more kermit than it is picky I, I will agree with that but i would say i would argue that though she sounds like kermit julia child in the way she lived her life is indeed a miss piggy oh my uh, goodness uh, yes. a boss who is in this charge this is going to be yes. part of the new podcast that yes you oh I, this is yes. two miss piggies we're going to discuss yes. I, i'm so sorry it keeps accidentally happening this <laughs> podcast i'm trying to manifest uh with our eric thomas <laughs> Um, well, now that we've discussed complete things that are unrelated to this podcast, unrelated to Star Trek and unrelated to the world, uh, uh, Carrie, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm, I am, uh, I have an eight month old baby boy who is crawling around like a crazy person. Uh, he is gonna, he's getting ready to walk like soon. Like he's oh, going to be an early walker, I think um and that's basically all i do is chase a little baby around the house all day so mm -hmm. i'm very grateful which i love <laughs> i mean i love the baby i'm not don't get me wrong sure. i'm not complaining i just mean i'm grateful to be doing something that's not that for a little while like talking about star trek yeah with you all well, we're glad that glad that you could you 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 make time to do this with us we we, we yeah. love it it's great yeah Michael, are you chasing any small small people or animals around your home? Or uh, I'm chasing one small animal <laughs> around the home, which is the cat. Uh, the other pets are away uh, with my girlfriend upstate uh, because she went to visit her parents for a couple days. And uh, you know how when you're living with your significant other, you know how like when one of them kind of you know like goes away for a couple days, and you're like, okay, love you, but this now. is great. Oh, well, no, no but it's like, it, this is going to give me a chance to do so much. Like, so I love you. I'm going to miss you. But also like, yeah. you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to spread out for the next couple of days. I'm going to, you know, yeah. like in, in, in that very, and then after about day one, it's basically just like, I miss her so much. I can't anything else. Um, That's this so is, sweet, this, Michael. This is the scenario right now. So, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. That quiet weekend of basically just being like i don't feel like doing very much so you know but still, i am funny. sleeping in the direct middle of the bed uh that's what i do <laughs> middle of the bed. i absolutely no 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 direct yeah. middle of the bed. Mm. no uh sadly no because the cat has decided to uh take her oh, man, so. the cat. <laughs> yeah she pops up under the bed and she's like finally She's like, I thought she'd never leave <laughs> exactly exactly i do not miss her 
that's really funny that's really funny yeah paul's been away a couple a couple of nights the past two weeks and each time i mean yeah i miss him but but for the most part it's because i slept alone for such a long time i am very good at being like oh yeah i belong in the center of this freaking bed i'm not supposed to be on the bed <laughs> going on here so uh, whenever point, scott we'll leaves I always end up doing things like eating snacks in bed that he wouldn't tolerate. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh, all right. Just like... I'm not even, I, I only was on an improv team with Scott, but I, I also know that he would not go for snacks in bed. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I had, he was like driving me somewhere and I had snacks in his car and I was like, I don't think this is okay. I'm going to no. keep this in my back. <laughs> it's fine. He just really doesn't like when crumbs are in the bed. Like I don't, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what you know, a monster, I man! Hate what a... on that. But I'm just like hot dogs, ice cream. I just don't think it's cool for him to call you a crumb bum. I don't think that's. I don't think yeah, that's fair at all. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, given that he's our number one podcast listener, I'm sure we'll be getting an anonymous yeah. email about what this this line of conversation. Um, uh-huh. I can't wait. I can't wait for it. Um, he's still the only person who's ever written in to the podcast. <laughs> But if you would like to write in to the prime subjective with your takes on Star Trek or Julia Child as Kermit as Miss Piggy or um, where one should eat snacks, you can reach us at primesubjectivepod at gmail.com. But on that note, we should probably start talking about the Star Trek of it all, shall we? Chris, do you feel good about saying how you were doing? Do you oh, I completely you forgot about me. That? How are you, you feel doing? that we covered oh you? Typical, typical martyr. Like I am, I forgot about myself. <laughs> oh, I just, just knew me. at the very end you were going to be like, I couldn't help but notice nobody asked. How, how no, I, for, I, for, I truly forgot this time. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, but this time around, I will tell you I'm doing great. You know, uh, it's been, it's been uh, where we're really fully settled in our house. We had a fun little game night this weekend which I will tell you ended with, we did some normal games, like, you know, we did some Jackbox TV games and we played like Taboo and Headbands, that game where you have to guess who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had prepared one final game for the evening where we got three volunteers to come up to my my uh, office slash dressing room where I have a whole shelf full of wigs and drag <laughs> and and shoes and like fake lashes and stuff and so the, vol- the volunteers had to get into whatever quick drag they could grab in 10 minutes and then we had a, a flash beauty pageant basically so cool. they walked the runway and then we asked them some questions and then we declared a winner um and they cool. got absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun oh, i highly wow. recommend highly recommend that as a quick game uh, just for anybody if you've got a little costume trunk you know just put on a fashion show why not you know yeah you only get lice once no um <laughs> just kidding no one got lice. Uh, <laughs> you could and also you could get them several times uh yeah it's, that's it. lice is lice is not a lice is not like it's not yeah. like the chicken pox yeah you're right you're right about that and come back um <laughs> I actually got lice once in kindergarten because my mom put a hat on me from the thrift store while we were there. So she was not really thinking through her actions at the time, but that's okay. What can you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on that note, let's talk about two episodes of Star Trek that we are here to talk about from Strange New Worlds. The first is Those Old Scientists, which is a episode, a crossover episode with Star Trek Lower Decks, which, oh my goodness, it was so fun. But here I'll give you a little synopsis. In the 24th century, Ensign Brad Boimler of the USS Cerritos is assigned to investigate an ancient portal. The portal, which is powered by the rare substance, oronium, now that sounds so bad, horonium, no, that's not it either, horonium, sends him back in time to 120 years where he has taken aboard the Enterprise. Boimler struggles to contain his excitement at meeting his heroes and also to prevent polluting the timeline with his knowledge of the future. The portal is stolen by an Orion ship and Pike trades grain supplies to retrieve it. They attempt to return Boimler to the future with the last remaining Horonium, but Ensign Beckett Mariner comes through the portal instead in a rescue attempt. Spock and Boimler unsuccessfully try to synthesize Horonium so they can use the portal again while Mariner and Uhura work to translate engravings on the portal. Boimler realizes that Horonium from the hull of the previous Starship Enterprise was incorporated into Pike's Enterprise. They use this to send Boimler and Mariner back to their own time, while the Orions agree to accept credit for discovering the portal in exchange for allowing the Enterprise to continue peacefully. Truly a wonderful banger of an episode. Just so damn good. Yeah. 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 Tremendous yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're so excited yeah. about it. All we can say is yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's just it's 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 like um it's like summarizing the sugar high you just had, where like there's a part right. of you that's basically just like, did I just get like all hopped up basically for maybe no mm-hmm. you know reason basically? But I watched the episode again. I was like, no, for this no is reason. really strong for no reason. Yeah, you know, so this is a really a- strong episode, even with all of the goofy uh, yeah. comic funness of it, and. I always get nervous with these sort of things before they come on because I'm thinking to myself, oh, I want this to be so good. Yeah, They're going to mess it up. They're going to F it up. But it was such a well-written episode and the performances from even like Captain Pike, the way they was interacting with the people from the future that uh, that he was like, like, okay, you're weird, but I'm going to go with it kind right. of. <laughs> attitude why are you commenting on my hair but all right yeah yeah very bad <laughs> I, yeah. I i like that especially because like for for hardcore tra- like you know time travel is so old hat i appreciated the fact that while they're trying to figure out how to get back and all that kind of stuff no one is in this episode is basically going like time travel how peculiar you know like yeah um, yeah uh, like, let's go yeah, over the time just... travel rules there's very specific time travel rules is happening all the time uh, don't mess with the timeline. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't bring um, future and I knowledge love that, back. Yep. And I love that Boimler basically takes the tack that I would of basically going like, all right, I won't mess with the timeline. Wait, did basically deciding not, it's deciding not to mess with the timeline. Is that what messes with the timeline? Oh no. Should yeah. I talk to this person? Oh, maybe I shouldn't talk to this person. Maybe I'm supposed to talk to this person. Um, he's such a ball of anxiety. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's, I love yeah. him so much. Yeah. I don't always love Jack Quaid, but I think this particular version of Jack Quaid <laughs> is Do you not great. enjoy him I, in The Boys? I don't. I Maybe I just don't like the character. Yeah. But okay. I can't tell. But I, So I can't, I can't really separate him from the character in The Boys, you know? That's fair. And um, I like him better in this role. Because I think that sense of neuroticism that his character in The Boys also has is better in this show. <laughs> um, well, I think there's more earnestness to this character yeah. than, than the one of The Boys. Yeah. There's definitely, he's that character is like, he, he gets a little poisoned, I guess, as the seasons go on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I do I love how that. gentle I... that show is. No violence at all. No, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah, totally. Head explodes or no head exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yep, yep. But this episode was also, I appreciate, appreciated the nuance, uh, that this episode had, um, just it, it, it went very well from just goofy references to a serious, um, uh, situation that they needed mm-hmm. to um get through the stakes it was great it was a good yeah. balance of the comedy with the yeah. with the high stakes i think yeah the stakes were medium rare and i really appreciated that about this episode oh you mean i see i'm mm-hmm. sorry the stakes mm-hmm. of- oh. <laughs> with butter and a with little butter. bit of with the butter on the steak <laughs> um <laughs> well yeah, be, be, yeah because like the the stakes are high because boimler and later mariner they need to get back to their own time but like it's also like the fact that like i'm not gonna say that pike doesn't care he does care but like he mainly cares because by by the end he's basically just like i want these pests off my ship you know like there's a 50 50 shot that he's basically mm-hmm. gonna be like i'm just gonna drop you out of star off at a star base and they'll deal with you yeah you know like um yeah. you know like not in like a not in like i hate you kind of way but more just like a, i got a shift to run like like this is just i don't have time <laughs> for this it, it, yeah he starts to yeah. act like how the captains treat them on their own show like he starts turning into the like okay <laughs> yeah. you guys yeah. gotta <laughs> yeah. calm down <laughs> i really did enjoy though the interplay that they had i know people were referring to this as a bromance but the interplay between boimler and spock was so fun and then Boimler just being like, Spock's not supposed to smile like that. Did I break Spock? Like that was, yeah. Oh, it was class. It was so good. I so good. think I have a suspicion because he said that to Christine. And at that point I was like, oh, Christine will end their relationship because she doesn't want to break She Spock. thinks she broke Spock. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So in a way he did ruin it. Because if he hadn't have said yeah. that, maybe she would have stayed with him. <laughs> That, I, I that, was a, that was a very clever way to um 
uh, do the I'm from the future and I'm bringing you knowledge of the uh, from of the future because he doesn't really know he's doing it. He does it in a subtle way where it's basically yeah. just like, oh, something's wrong with Spock, you know, i.e., you know, Christine Chapel, you know, this positive influence that you're having on him, it's not going to work out kind of thing. You know, right. that's not what he says, obviously, but that's the only way she can interpret that in their two turbulent conversation. And I thought that was really clever, especially how it dovetailed into the Spock storyline. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, really I like think that. also these characters somehow helped the, the character arcs of like the current cast uh of strange new worlds like uhura needed help and ended up that mariner helped her so it became integral in uhura's uh growth and Mm -hmm. um this is one of my favorite things is that they were working so hard to translate the thing the the portal and they're like oh yes translated it says this is a time portal (laughs) <laughs> do you remember that part it was like yeah, so right. unimportant that they ended up yeah. translating it it's like this is a time portal so right just be <laughs> just careful it's time it's really funny well it didn't it didn't uh ortegas have something to do with that too she's like i saw this somewhere or i saw this this um um yeah because they're 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 in the bar oh what does she say because uh uh it's the moment where uhura says ortegas you're a genius and she says yes i am um <laughs> which is which is really funny because they're both like half sloshed at that point um yeah what is it they yeah they mentioned the nausicans i think is that what it is uh because the it's nausicans language yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the nausicans those pesky nausicans the nausicans are the ones that, that stab the card stab the card okay stab so right. <laughs> in tapestry yes yes yes, yes. Yeah. i just don't yes. mess with the nausicans please Nope. Uh, another favorite of mine in this episode was the the Orion sort of through line. Like, not all Orions mm-hmm. are pirates, yep. and I love the yep. line with that Boimler said. Um, in my time, it's kind of frowned upon to uh, assume that all Orions are pirates, and that really got Pike to go, okay, <laughs> let's let's see what happens. No, definitely, definitely um, a reflection mm. of of uh, different generations coming together in a way that we experience now, mm-hmm. with the the original yeah. series and how uh, like just it's like it's like Discovery meets the original series in some ways. Um, but it yeah, does also say. get him into trouble because they do steal the portal, you know. So it's just that I, I yeah. he gets proven wrong and then later right, um, which which is really neat. Yeah, like a self self uh, creating prophecy kind of kind of thing. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this whole episode is, um, you know, I think, you know, after all the jokes, I do think this is an episode that's really about something. That so many of the jokes are great, but I really do like the idea of that this is a this is an episode about. It's not necessarily about not meeting your heroes, but it's more about you know like not not getting consumed by nostalgia, you know, and you know not looking too far at the past, but also you know be, being respectful to the past at the same time. And I like the way they tie the two crews together, especially because this is something I've always wanted to see on this show, which is um, Boimler and Mariner, especially Mariner, when they're kind of in fanboy mode, they always drop lots of little references to this, to that, the other. Mm -hmm. And it becomes infectious later on because there's that great line where they start talking about Hoshisato and, and Uhura specifically mentions her as like as as a role model. And I thought that was such a cool way to harken back to Enterprise and connect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also forward this theme of, you know, even your heroes had people that they looked up to, you know, like it's it's okay to just be you, you know, when you're when yeah. you know your heroes didn't realize that they were heroes at the time. They were just regular people who had their own heroes. Um, and it's all cyclical. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, a beautiful way to tie it all together. Um I often also, don't, yeah, continue. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I often don't love um, meta humor where, right. you know, the actors mm-hmm. know that they're actors or something. But I did 
like how it was done in this, for example, when um, the Strange New World cast was like, they speak in a lot of references, don't they? Yeah. Do we have no idea <laughs> yeah. what they're saying? And I, Boiler I like, is yeah. like, oh, you guys look really realistic. <laughs> and he says later on, he says, they talk so slowly back now or something so like that. Slowly. <laughs> uh, which is, I, I, I like, I they like do... I completely agree. They do just enough of like leaning on the wall a little bit of basically like we need to appreciate the fact that the Lower Decks characters in live action, they're going to behave differently and they're going to behave kind of strangely yes. compared to and the then, world. Yeah. Boibler, when he, he was like, why don't you turn around and I can do it? Then technically it won't be showing <laughs> you how to do something. And then you look at him and he's like hanging from the cords in such a cartoon <laughs> yeah. sort of way i love that he does um he he does a boimler power walk like there's an early uh, lower mm -hmm. decks where he's just like this is how they walk in section 31 and uh when una comes up behind <laughs> him uh he, he power walks away and it's really funny and i read an interview with jack quaid where he said like like you you have to appreciate like what a task this was because they're not used to playing these characters in live action. The animators, you know, played them, you know, like mm -hmm. did all the physicality and stuff. So they would go back over old episodes and just be like, okay, Boimler's physicality is like this. So I, the actor, now have to translate into mm -hmm. live action. I thought they did such a great job. Mm -hmm. Like the way they move, they, they moving their hands a lot more basically than the uh, than the Strange New Worlds crew as well. I, I really enjoyed that. Oh yeah, but there, there's lots of little like um easter eggs too like i'm reading from memory alpha um how commander ransom refers to number one as the hottest first officer in starfleet history which yep. is likely reference to the fact that he's married to rebecca romaine in real life <laughs> <laughs> very enjoyable okay wait who so jerry uh, o'connell who voices yeah. ransom is married to rebecca romaine in real life so so when he says that's the hottest first officer who's ever been it's like uh, okay Okay, we get it. You love your wife. <laughs> oh, Ooh, man loves his wife. Ooh. I'm sorry. I, I'm just confused because I just didn't remember Jack uh, Ransom being in the episode. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning. he No, at the very end, rather, he is. Yeah. Okay. Very okay. End. Yeah. Okay, cool. It did. This also had me go back and rewatch this last season of... Um, of Lower Decks, Lower which Decks. was just so good. And so I'm excited for it because we're getting a whole new season in September. So I know, just a couple of weeks away. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, and not Ooh. only that, it's going to be referencing this episode, or at least they're going to be referencing the fact that they can't reference this episode because it's all hush-hush. Right. That's what and, the trailer told me. <laughs> and this episode was also directed by uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Who yep. does really, he, every episode that I really like, I think has been directed by Jonathan Frakes. Oh, Trek in the News. It was his birthday this week. Yes. Yes. Happy yes, birthday, was. Jonathan Frakes, who is uh, 72? Oh, my gosh. 73? Uh, 73? So he was wow. born in 1952. Do the math. Oh, if he's born in 52, it'll be, yeah, it'll be 71. Yeah. 71. Mm -hmm. Correct. He's my dad's age. Yay. Um, I'm learning he's that like he's dad. my daddy. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> he truly, so he I, hangs, I have a cardboard cutout of him that I got the day that they announced Biden had won the election. Uh, so it was just a good day in general. But um, I, I was carrying it home and then just because from the salvage place that's near my house. And then I ended up hanging it on my, um, the inside of my our closet but i don't have one here at this new house so mm -hmm. i found an upstairs closet to put it in and i keep forgetting that i put him there when i show up <laughs> like giving people a tour and then and then so i open it up and there he is but also i forgot that i also put on i, I might have like a leather harness whatever i maybe put that harness on him so uh i open the door and there's just Riker in a harness um <laughs> oh just in the closet God. so you know it just it just makes people think we're a little wilder than we are perhaps it's just storage <laughs> you know what i mean it's just storage <laughs> He's just <laughs> acting as storage for your harness. Yeah, just for my harness. He's just hanging on to it for me until I need it again, you know? <laughs> oh my God, Grant's so funny. Sideways Trek in the news, I will say as well, you know, I know we um, kind of had a discussion last week about uh, maybe, you know, maybe a first officer on a Star Trek show who is basically, you know, kind of uh -huh. not being cool with the whole strike, you know, going on right now. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, yes. mm -hmm. Jonathan Frakes, on the other hand, is an absolute delight uh, to follow on social media and whatnot. And he is so pro strike and it's so much and it, it's so enjoyable. He's Mr. Solidarity all the way. Um, you know, uh, 
yeah which is which is awesome which which is great um i am also learning too that um jack quaid apparently improv the moment when he slings his leg over the uh over the saddle um and, and he goes riker riker uh-huh. riker <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you watch their, um, cause they were on, as of course they were, they were on, um, I watched the, the ready room, the ready episode. room. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cause he also talked about how we got a Boimler scream in there a couple times, yeah. <laughs> which is also <laughs> quite good. <laughs> no, I think we can all agree. They really, they really did it, did a good damn job on this episode. Well done. And I'm, I'm amazed how they got away with it. Honestly, like I was, there was a part of me that was just like, is this going to fall on its face? Like it sounds, it sounds very difficult yeah. to pull off. And remember when it was first announced, there was like, so is it going to be like Roger Rabbit, like half live action or right. how are they going to do it? And obviously the advantage here is the fact that, you know, uh, the voice actors of Lower Decks are professional actors themselves, you know, who look fairly who, like their who, characters. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that was kind of built into the DNA of Lower Decks, where it's like, we might want to do this at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I want to see. It. I want to see Paul F. Tompkins in real life, bird human. Oh God, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. M- my one regret is the fact that we don't see um, we don't see uh, Tendi and um, um, uh, oh, um, uh, Rutherford, Rutherford, Rutherford. Uh, in in live Eugene action. Eugene Cordero. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I would say that Eugene Cordero kind of doesn't necessarily look that much like Rutherford, I but, I could, that, but I could be persuaded. Maybe. Yeah, I could absolutely. be persuaded, but he's been absolutely. in like everything Eugene Cordero. Like, can you, can you pick, True. do you have to be in every franchise? I'm just saying. Well, It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. 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 The other thing is that I thought um, that it's interesting. I guess I'll say the word interesting because I don't know uh, what other word. That Strange New uh, Lower Decks sort of raised the quality of Strange New Worlds a little bit by merging it together. I don't know. I just (laughs) I feel like we liked Strange New Worlds. It was a good show. But like bringing it together with Lower Decks sort of kicked it up a notch i think like i think it somehow really kind of helped yeah kick the characters move them forward um give it give it more context in the whole world somehow mm-hmm. it somehow kind of adds more legitimacy to both shows i think yeah you know in a, in a weird way so no, i agree they did a good job they could have really um did a really bad job what's a yeah. what's a metaphor for doing a really bad job they could have done that they could have um, shit the bed. Shit the bed. They could have really. Or shit they could the have. Bed. Yeah, they, they could have. They could have ejected the warp core. They could have ejected <laughs> the warp core on this one. But... The uh, umbilical. Uh, yeah, the release. release. The umbilical release. <laughs> the umbil- <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, uh, something really fun. I, I I liked. There's so many like great like throwaway jokes. It would be. It would take so long to kind of catalog them all throughout this episode mm-hmm. but what i like is very but we're gonna try on. here we go Number no one. i just got one i just got one more <laughs> when they're comparing the old communicators versus the new and pike says just like oh, yeah. flipping it open is the best part it's the best part that's yeah. such a yeah. yeah that's such a great like you know because n- normally characters like that on star trek don't have that kind of discussion where it's just like oh we got these mm-hmm. you know like you know we have these new things in next gen or whatnot basically well clearly they're uh... better you know like we're not even gonna argue they're better mm-hmm. That was a perfect uh, little comedic interaction when he was so geeked out over the medical uh, tricorder, and he goes, "Oh, and le- they don't explode." And Van goes, "Like, like wait, what? explode?" Like, <laughs> That's true. Uh, yes, that was, yeah. that was a great little interaction. That's so good. Just tiny I mean, little, just these like it just was like filled up with tiny little things that yeah. added up to be a good. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful <laughs> Easter eggs from stem to stern. Um. Any other final thoughts apart from beautiful Easter eggs about this episode before we move on to talk about Under the Cloak of War? Mariner mentioned Hot Spock, which, you know, oh, props yeah. to them for going there. Yes, you gotta mention that this is Hot Spock. I mean, and no offense to Leonard Nimoy, but he, he's not Ethan Peck. Oh, <laughs> young Spock is yeah. hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, young, young Ethan Peck is well, a step beyond. I'm just sorry. Like, that's that's a, that's a fine looking man. Mm-hmm. From what from what my uh, my loins are telling me, um, but um, 
the loins are never wrong. The loins are never wrong. The loins are never wrong. Loins are never wrong. Yeah, right. (laughs) Except for often and about 75% of the time. Um, But uh, moving on from that, uh, we are here to discuss one more episode of Strange New Worlds, which is episode eight, Under the Cloak of War. In this episode... The whiplash I just got going from one episode to the other. I know. They're... they're, uh, they're, they're just equally as light. Um, the Enterprise hosts Ambassador Dakra, a Klingon general who defected to the Federation and is said to have killed his own officers when he learned oh my that God. they attacks yeah. on civilians while fighting on the moon of Jigal. Veterans of the Federation Klingon war, including Ortegas, Mbenga, and Chapel, are uncomfortable with his presence. Mbenga and Chapel served at a field hospital on Jigal and witnessed the brutality of the Klingon forces under Dakra's command. Dakra invites Mbega to join his campaign for peace, citing the, don't worry, it's my ride is here, it's the police, uh, citing uh, the symbolic power of a partnership between two men who were on opposing sides at Jagal and offers to help Mbega find healing from the trauma he experienced. Mbega rejects Dakra's offer and eventually reveals that he knows it was Dakra who ordered the attacks on the civilians, and it was Mbega who killed the Klingon officers whose deaths Dakra is taking credit for, and he is, in fact, the Butcher of Jigal. A fight breaks out, and Mbenga kills Dakra with the same dagger with which he killed his officers. Mbenga tells Pike that he did not intend to kill Dakra, but he does not regret it. Um, This is missing the nuance of, at the end of this episode, which is that, like, I don't know, it's like, seemed like planned and not, it seemed more planned than that to me. I don't know, what did you guys think of that ending? Deeply ambiguous. I keep going back and forth. I, I, I do think it's... I think the moment when Mabenga opens up the box to reveal the dagger is incredibly loaded. Um, and it's, yeah. you know, I... I, I that yeah. is the biggest piece of, you know, for, for that's premeditated. To me, I appreciate the line where Mabenga said, please leave, just go. Please yes. go because why you have he just, knew yeah. what he mm-hmm. why couldn't you have just gone? Like he just yeah. he didn't really want he was like wrestling with that. He's like, I need to kill you. I'm going to kill you. But if you leave, I won't do, won't it. do it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I I we're we're kind of going out of order, but I yeah, sorry. Sorry. you know that that ending, which is incredibly potent, the entire episode is potent because it's filled with the, the, I mean, you know, the, the, you got the flashbacks that are going on as well, which are, you know, very, very bracing. Um, mm-hmm. But in that final struggle, too, I like the fact that I I, I, I like the fact that uh, the struggle is, you know, he basically says he like he never it, it doesn't turn into a moment where he gets um, belligerent towards Mabenga. You know, it's never like mm-hmm. that. He seems almost pathetic, basically, as you know, uh, you know, as the struggle kind of reaches its conclusion. Like he never becomes vindictive. He mm-hmm. never becomes. There's never anything that could make an audience member go like, "Oh, well, he deserved it just for that." You know, like he didn't call him a stupid human or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, maybe he calls him stubborn, but that's different. You know, um, uh, you know, and and I, that feels. I like the. I, I like how that. Uh, that that's very cleverly designed that's very carefully designed to you know make it unclear about what happened and whether you know you know just to kind of question your own ideas basically about what would you have done and whether mm-hmm. Mabenga was even right to kind of claim that he was you know to, to even kind of claim what he does ultimately it's left there's a lot of nuance to that scene I think. do you uh, I like believe do you believe do you too personally believe doc raw it was giving that he was, uh, whose side were you on? Were you on the side of, no, he's awful. He will never change. He's um, being, um, I don't know. Disingenuous. Or disingenuous. Or do you think that he's actually trying to uh, promote peace and atone um, because it was giving me real Deep Space Nine um Cardassian yeah. vibes, like the mm-hmm. war just ended. Do we do we accept these uh peace negotiations or not? Um what do you think? I don't know 
And I know that sounds like a cop out, but I really don't actually, because I can see both sides. And I think this is one of those episodes that you need to watch again, because Mabenga revealing that he was the one who killed Kiff and, you know, the other guys, basically, you know, the, the, the very actions that are part of, um, uh, that are part of Doctor's whole, his lore. Yeah. Um, that really kind of poisons the well in terms of like how seriously we can take it to an extent, you know, do I think he's sincere? Yes, because they could have had a moment where he seemed insincere and they didn't go that route. I do think he's sincere at the very least. He's very practiced at seeming sincere to Federation members, to humans. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I think he feels like he needs to atone? Probably because I don't think that's impossible for a war criminal. Um, You know, do I think that, Mabenga and company need to get over it? Well, no, honestly, either. Um, It's very, very difficult because I really did kind of uh, see both sides here. Um, You know, and and, uh, the other thing it reminded me of, the the DS9 DNA is very much in this this episode. It also reminded me of Star Trek VI, which is, you know, obviously, um, you know, also about peace with the Klingons and Kirk basically going, you know, um, you know, like I can never give them a chance, but also how is this ever going to happen if people like me don't give mm-hmm. them a chance and things like that, yeah. you know, like this idea that like you have to sacrifice how you feel in order for the yeah. greater good. And also the pushback of like, but do you though, should you yeah. though, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I do think, uh, you know, on, on the, on the list of kind of boneheaded Starfleet decisions, the idea of essentially kind of forcing the close quarters of like you guys are going to have a dinner party basically and it would really be uh you know meaningful if everyone could attend it's that kind of like uh, like i you know like it's that kind of teeth gritting like i understand why you're saying yeah. this but like, you can't ask me to do this come on um yeah i guess it's one thing to be like uh you have to um accept that some of these yeah. bad guys uh don't want to be bad guys anymore but it's another thing to be like oh you actually have to sit down and have dinner with nazis um i know that your yeah. family was killed in the holocaust but we're gonna invite some nazis over for dinner so yeah um it's it's like eh, pushing it there yeah. but they had to sort yeah. of push that uh um interaction for the show i think it i think the oh, show yeah. needed mm-hmm. to have that but oh, maybe they did I... make it sort of ambiguous about, you know, whether or not he was um uh trying to be a peaceful ambassador or not, because it's not all black and white. It's just very similar to Deep Space Nine. There's so many gray gray areas. I yeah, I, I mean I think uh, you know, I, I the, the the ridiculousness of the dinner party, like, I didn't feel that unrealistic at all. I felt that was very realistic. That felt in a very bureaucratic mm-hmm. way of like, no, no, you guys are going to have a dinner together. You know, like, like that. that's just, you know, like, this is called, this is called being a good soldier. Um, you know, uh, you know, this is called being, you know, a good little Starfleet officer, basically, like, do your job and make peace, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the bureaucrats, you know, like the, the, the pencil push don't understand how hard that is sometimes. Um, Chris, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, the sincerity here? What, 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 what do you what do you think about? Doctor? Well, I think somebody who would lie about yes, killing Sorry. so would lie about killing you know their own people and also ha- having ordered the the attack on the civilians and yeah, I think I think it, I don't trust this guy at all. I think it sours it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, someone who's claiming to be moving forward in peace, yeah, maybe he found peace, but I. I mm. I don't think I don't I don't find it difficult to empathize and commiserate with Mbenga and what he eventually does end up doing. And um you know, and I, I was before we began the episode, I was um I was saying how it reminded me a little bit of the end of Murder on the Orient Express, where, you know, um Hercule Poirot was like, you know, what could have he basically lays out how every single person on the train had a hand in this murder. He said, yeah. you know, it could be that or but because this is such a shitty guy, when the police arrive here, we could all agree that he that it was a stranger who like came and killed him and left. The, the, so basically it, for, it gave me that sort of vibe. It's just like that a a um, a a metting out of justice outside the legal system. Right. Yeah. 
you know it's um, the end it's not a, when you kill somebody in a war you, it's not murder but there was no war he straight up murdered this guy and yeah. uh christine chapel um lied for him basically so i feel like that's a big thing that's gonna come but back she's also I, I know i've said this earlier she is literally tied into every big drama of the season it's like give her a break yeah. <laughs> she yeah. must be so stressed out <laughs> yeah that's why she can't handle it but you yeah know. she's like sorry i've got ptsd and i'm i'm also complicit in a murder so i can't really talk about our relationship right now spock yeah uh, <laughs> i appreciate that the, i appreciate the level the integrating yeah. of ptsd into these characters um yeah. and uh recognizing that they did just come off of a war um i think it's weird that they have um on the ground uh troops and battles but that's okay that's fine I'll you mean in, in in a in a future where <clears throat> yeah. space, basically yeah 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 but it's okay i, I mean it, i don't it's not too crazy to believe but um well the way she was treating spock i didn't like it i'm like you know you got ptsd but don't take it out on spock <laughs> he didn't do yeah. nothing he's trying yeah. to help you and he does not understand emotion. So anything nuanced you give mm -hmm. him is not going to be work, work, work well. Mm -hmm. But as you were saying, yeah, I do, I, the backstory they gave them was cool. It was, was informative. And I especially found um, affecting the scene where they had to erase that guy from the pattern buffer who they were trying to save to when they could save right. him later, basically. And then it also yeah. is the seeds of what Mbenga ends up doing with his own daughter in the first daughter. season. Yeah. 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 Yeah, oh, save him in the put him in the pattern buffer. Yeah, I mean Scott Montgomery Scott proved that was possible in, in Next Generation when he was in the pattern buffer for like forty eight years. When they <laughs> oh yeah, on, ship, totally on the outside of the Dyson about sphere. That. Yeah, you yeah. could hold anything in a pattern buffer because this transporter technology, like, just crazy. Like, just bring the, every time you're transported, a copy you of you is saved just in case. And, no. and and uh, you're murdered basically and then re and, also, re 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 and you're just reincarnated somewhere else like so anyway yeah anything transporter technology is dangerous you can just murder somebody with the transporter anything that technology no, I, is too i'm talking about that dangerous the, the, the theory that every time you transport somewhere essentially no, you're, I know. That, you're dead and then you, you're I just know. like a clone and if, if you want to murder somebody just transport them out into space yeah well, in space, there's so many easy ways to die. I mean, it's like so many easy ways. To yeah, die. yeah, yeah, yeah. Airlock, getting against the warp core. Could you could run into Mbenga if yeah. you guys have a history? <laughs> yeah, you could be a war criminal who thinks yeah. it's a good idea to then get really famous as a peace ambassador and then go talk shit about the war. Mm. Yeah, that'd be to, to be fair, that's not an yeah. easy way to die. That sounds very difficult. I mean, it's the, the, a being a war criminal alone. I mean, it's it's very complicated. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard. A lot of layers. Yeah. It's a lot. To be a successful war criminal, you got to work, man. You um, put in the hard yards, if you will. Yeah, you got to mm. put in the hard yards. I like that. Hard um, yards. Hard yards. I hard yards. I really I, I like the fact that it's not just Mabenga. Uh, now, obviously, that's established, you know, because uh, Christine and he, they had references earlier this season about, you know, their, their you know, their history as veterans and all that kind of stuff. And Ortega's actually as well. But how each of them gets dramatized in a different way, you know, and Mabenga is obviously the most potent. He's the one, one the episodes kind of swirls around. Um, but I especially like... The, this episode and the the the, the flashbacks uh, to the war, um, there's definitely a bit of like mash, you know. I, I mean, it literally is a mash unit they're running, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, as they're and and just the stressing the absurdity of you know uh, of uh, we gotta stitch you back up basically so you can go back out and fight and uh, maybe it's all triage stitched up again yeah. or maybe die. it's all triage and it's basically just like I gotta fix you up so you can go out there and kill those other people. Um, you know, and I'll get, like, just mm -hmm. the absolute absurdity of it, you know, um, yeah. but also the, um, but you know, what, what else are you going to do? Not have a doctor, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. it really, it, 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 it helps to, you know, stress how just dehumanizing, not just for your opponent, but for you, you know, um, uh, combat is even when you're adjacent to combat. Um, and, and, and I liked that. And I liked how much space those scenes were given to breathe and really, I like yeah. that. It's one thing to have a character who was a who was a veteran 
to talk about how hard the war is. It's quite another thing to actually show it in very kind of punchy scenes that end up conveying a lot for a short running time um, and really put you in Mbenga's headspace. No, I agree. And not to undercut the gravity with which you were just speaking, but the minute you said this is like MASH, but you know, in the future, my brain tried to translate the MASH theme song to like a Star Trek version. And the dumb thing my brain said was bleep, blorp, bleep, blorp, bleep, blorp, bleep, bleep, blorp, bleep, blorp, bleep. I feel like maybe some oxygen was missing to my brain when that when it It's came also out. like, oh. <laughs> Michael's talking for a long time and all you're thinking is bleep, 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 bleep. No, I was listening. I was there, but, then it, <laughs> it was, it was there, but, but the, the background to this, this beautiful thing Michael is saying about the gravity that, yeah, that these scenes give just, in my brain, just like bleep, 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 bleep. And then what I was in bleep, 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 bleep. Which is just to say that, um, you know, I can contain two things at once. I can, I can have deep thoughts and very not deep thoughts all at the mm -hmm. same time yeah um <laughs> just like um strange new worlds who um can be very deep and also can be very goofy very silly yeah yeah it's a black silly. and white cookie yes yeah. uh i appreciate strange new worlds this season has been really great and i think they did a good job of um balancing out those um the darkness with the lightness okay. i would say well they kind of do like yeah. one for one it's like one dark episode and then they'll have one yeah. episode and they yep. which I, which i appreciate i think that's a good especially when you only have 10 mm -hmm. better to keep it balanced mm -hmm. that way yep. um yeah. which is which is very d space nine and it's also it's very i hate to say it it's very mash um honestly because if you ever watched that show <laughs> yeah half of it is the most you know gruesome hospital stuff you've ever seen and the most bracing life lessons you ever seen and the other half of it is basically just like oh let's just have some fun because we're going to be right back in the you know uh, in the hot in the operating room tomorrow yeah you know, kind of thing. the only who's thing the I guy really who was cross-dressing about... to try to get out of the army what was yeah. his name that's all the thing that's clinger. i was gonna say clinger. clinger the only thing i remember from mash is the guy who kept cross-dressing to get out of the army <laughs> and they were just like nice try yeah get back like, to don't the believe army. it don't believe it get back to army Butch yeah. Queen, first time in drags, not not buying it. Yeah, um. I I I I think too. This episode shows a lot about how Star where how far Star Trek has come um, since even since the '90s. Because one of the rules for Star Trek behind the scenes during the like the '80s, this was a Gene Roddenberry rule. Was like he did not like conflict between Starfleet officers. And, um, you know, and uh, so all the shows kind of had to follow that. And when D Space Nine was invented, their way around that was, well, half of these people aren't in Starfleet. They're Bjorn Militia or whatnot. And so much of this episode specifically, you mentioned D Space Nine and specifically the scenes between Pike and Mabenga or Pike and Ortegas or whatnot. It reminded me a lot of any scene, especially in early DS9, where Major Kira is advocating very strongly for Bajoran beliefs or Bajoran retribution against Cardassian injustice. Um, and Cisco is very much, I'm a diplomat, so we're going to do things this way, or I'll give you a little bit, but you're asking for a lot, or stuff like that. And um, and the show lets you see both sides, and from Kira's point of view, it's a little, like, you can imagine Cisco basically saying, like, well, I have the privilege of not having the same history you have with Cardassian. So, that, like, that you know, makes me think clear, or maybe I'm just privileged, you know, like, 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 mm -hmm. there's that kind of tension mm -hmm. where, you know, Kira re respects Cisco, but also it's just like, you have not lived the life I've lived. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, you have that exact same tension, but it's between two Starfleet officers. Uh, and I think that's really interesting, you know, especially how they kind of, you know, it seems like the, you know, it, it's, that they agree to disagree basically or agree yeah, that they're never going to see it's not like island. they're having tension it's like they're having no, a serious yeah. conversation they're having a uh, a serious discussion but are still able to it doesn't affect their um relationship no, no. it's just we disagree Agree, but there's a philosophical divide, I think between them and they both realize it's there and it's it's probably might be impossible to cross Yeah. I just yeah, lost I, um, my yeah. You okay? You there? 
Yeah, no, I, I just lost exact what I was going to say. It just popped out of my head. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I thought you dropped something. No, um, just my thought. My thought <laughs> dropped out of my head. Well, I, yeah, I think I think we can all agree that um, that this episode has definitely a, a darker tone, but a, but a, but a, but with the darkness comes more um, more depth, which is cool, which is cool to see. And um, I, you know, I, I'm excited to talk more about those last two episodes, which we'll be doing next week. Do you guys have any final thoughts or recommendations about these episodes that we watched tonight? Um. My final thought is I don't agree with the murdering of the ambassador raw. Uh, I don't believe that he needed to finish the job because uh, it was, but at the same time, I don't believe the ambassador is fully telling the truth either. Yeah. Um. And the only thought that I had that was um, a digression is, do you guys remember Avenue 5 with uh, Hugh Laurie? And I think it was on, there was only two seasons oh, of HBO. it. Yeah, it was on HBO. Yeah, it was on HBO. There's only two seasons of it. But I just thought of it. Oh, and uh, Ethan Phillips is in it too, which is interesting. I only watched uh, one episode. Was it, was it any good? I did not like it. But... Um, I was disappointed by it. Why I thought of it was there are many different, when we were talking about there's many different ways to kill people in space. And somehow <laughs> Avenue 5 came to mind because, yeah. There and he always like an inept died. starship captain, right? Or something? He's or? not the captain. It's just how it goes. But it's kind of a spoiler if you want to watch it. Uh He's pretending to be the captain because a real captain oh. died. The real captain didn't want to be like the face of the ship. So he just, somebody else is the captain and he's just the for show captain. But I nobody see. knows that. Um, it reminded and, me of this game that I had in the in the 90s called Starship Titanic or Starship Titanic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had like a similar silly vibe to it. Although now I can't re- recall anything that happened in that game, but just the vibe of it seemed to be similar somehow. <laughs> it was, it was um, I think it was written by, because I had the novel too, because I think it was like one of those things where like- Of course you did, Michael. <laughs> I had, yeah. I, well, the, the book was written by Terry <laughs> Jones, I think from Monty Python. Oh, okay. Um, and it also had a little bit of, I think Douglas Adams did some consulting on it. So like, and well, like, certainly had to play the game, Adams touch. Yeah. What was it yeah, called? Did. Starship, was Starship it Titanic. Called? Wow. I'm going to mm-hmm. write it down. I never heard of it. Probably could play some sort of emulator or on, maybe they even have it on Steam or something. I think they do have it on Steam. Yeah. Mm. Uh, hey, wait, $15 other... for something that <laughs> you bought 35 years ago. Um, My other recommendation real quick is I started watching this at another another Korean show. This one's called Behind Your Touch. It's so funny. You should watch it. (laughs) This girl, she can she's psychic. She can read people's uh, memories, but only if she touches their butt. So really their butt. Yeah, their butt. Um, is this, so, uh, has someone been Netflix. reading my journals? Because this <laughs> sounds a lot like how I communicate with Paul. Um, so I enjoy that. So watch that. <clears throat> okay, I'll check that out. That's yeah. good. Michael, I, I know, Do you, would you recommend Asteroid City? You gave it a four-star review on Letterboxd, I saw. I do, yeah, I, I liked Asteroid City a lot. Um, it's very, um, you, know, f- you know, Wes Anderson's movies, it's very um, arch, you know, I think is a good mm-hmm. word to use, basically. But And this I one, he just used that TikTok filter that was going around, right? He just put that on and called it a day. And... <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, oh, I, yeah I, got, I got so many words for that filter because it's just like, well, you what get it, mean... but you kind of don't. Yeah. Listen, I've been out of the loop for a while. What does it mean when you call something arch? Kind of oh, really precious, know. like like so stylized, it almost feels kind of brittle. I think maybe, um, you know, like sometimes it can be used as a negative, and sometimes I think it can be used as a positive. It's like, um, I think the last archness. time I heard someone you used it was in a, 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 the episode of Next Gen where 
um, I believe uh, either Moriarty or his or his yeah. lady. Computer friends. arch. <laughs> yes. Well, computer. computer arch also, but also, so I think she said used it in another way. That's yeah, she's like it, very arch. Theatrically artificial, I guess, is a good yeah. kind of way to go about. Once again, it stop reading my journal. I thought, uh, like, I'm thinking it means like this is very arch nemesis of you. Oh, <laughs> I feel like the kids today <laughs> use it that way. You're yeah. it's so sus. That's so arch. That's so, so sus. Arch. That's so arch. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but I, I I did really enjoy that movie a lot. It's got a lot going on. It throws a lot of characters at you. It's one of those movies where if you read the cast list, you're like, Jesus Christ, who is not in this movie? Uh, yeah. If you don't read the cast list every five minutes, it's like, oh, my God. Um, but it's very strong. Um, it's very, I think, emotional too. That's what the filter doesn't really always get, which just like what's well, interesting right. movies have definitely made me cry, you know. So, you know, you 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 know, uh I'm fine, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> so no, I I I really liked it a lot. I strongly recommend it. Cool. Can I mention one more thing about this episode too? I'm sorry you can't. No, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. <laughs> guest star corner, guest star corner, Clint Howard. Oh yeah. Uh, I for totally forgot. What a little cameo. Right. Um uh brother of Ron Howard. Uh how many of his yeah. how many Star been, Trek franchises has he been in now? He has he has been in five episodes of Star Trek across all shows going all the way back to the original series. Yeah, he was like he a, was, yeah, yeah. He was like a wow. little child uh, in uh, the Corbomite Maneuver, the episode where it's like this big fearsome starship and then it's, it's piloted by basically just like a little childlike alien, basically. He was he was the young kid alien. He showed up again in Deep Space Nine as a homeless person. He played a Ferengi in uh, on Enterprise. He played an Orion in Discovery. And it's here Discovery. he plays a human um, general, corporal, uh on the, battlefield. Uh, on the battlefield um it's always so great to see him he's just like he's a little badge of honor for stuff like that and he's been in so many things like look up you know things that clint howard has been in you know and mm. it, it, it definitely helps the fact that ron howard you know his brother puts him in every single time he directs a movie and that man directs a lot but also he works plenty on his own as well so um and that's clear to me that nice... ron howard does not share any of his money if he has to work this much i mean <laughs> <laughs> this is not a kardashian situation you know what i mean the whole family is not that's rising right. with the tide um that's, that's funny. Right. <laughs> um so it was just so good to see him it was just like another like some some weird bit of validation of just like yeah ron howard's in the, excuse me clint howard's in this yeah uh so it was great <laughs> i feel like bryce dallas should get into this stuff because she doesn't have fantasies i mean she's was great in that I black know. mirror episode yeah uh, very talented that bryce dallas um well i don't have any more thoughts in the episode but i do have um a recommendation for you all which is something that paul and i just got back into which is so silly but guys hot ones it's just a fun show to watch <laughs> oh hot ones is just i fun. love hot ones oh it's so good <laughs> I think you got to watch Salma, Hay Salma Hayek's episode is great because she kind of barely oh. doesn't even she's like she's mostly fine the whole time uh, <laughs> and because because she's Mexican so she's got That's the so she, she's oh. been eating chili since she was a kid she's fine of course um, <laughs> it's like it's I really understand good. how to some people where the word some is maybe doing an awful lot of work there like this would be like a nine but to me this is a three yeah right <laughs> but there's just so many good melissa mccarthy we watched melissa mccarthy's and it was just like oh everything you want it to be yeah, yeah. and and also jennifer <laughs> jennifer um oh, jennifer lawrence jennifer lawrence yeah j law yeah. yes indeed j law um they really kind of let their guard down which is really like it's yeah. probably one of the best uh you know ways to like see celebrities kind of like without all like their yeah you know getting like the a barriers little bit they put up vulnerable real, getting yeah. a little yeah vulnerable. yeah Agreeing so to be get, in a moderate. We're going to get Giuliani up there to get some real answers, and then also probably watch him die from eating that much spice. Um, mm. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that scenario. I don't either. I don't want to watch a rat eat wings. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you used to be able to see that all the time in Giuliani's New York. You but, sure uh, did. You know, no, they no, took that, that was, away. That was pre. That was before Giuliani cleaned up Times Square. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess then all the sex, sex workers thing. elsewhere. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it was the Disney. I don't know either. I don't know. Who knows? 
Listen, yeah, people have been telling new people who come to New York that New York's not the same for literally 200 years. So it's it's fine. New York is New York. It's all good. They they kept the rat. They just dressed the rat up and was just like, see, it's prettier now. Yeah, now it's now it represents when people are scabbing on a, on a union line. Um exactly. or eating pizza on a on a stairwell. But um on that note, um I think we're we're coming to the end of a fun episode. Um, and I think we can take us out with what I think will be the tune stuck in all of our heads. And your your starting note is bleep. Okay, ready? Here we go. Five, six, seven, eight. Bleep, 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 floor, bleep, floor, bleep, 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 bleep.